second half of verse 11, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, to, to start off with, why should that be our motive? Well, I think it's pretty clear, but, but we're going to look at this. That was actually the motive of our Lord when He walked on this earth. He said, he said as much, and He said it more than once. He said that uh, when He took upon Him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men, there was a humility, right? Philippians 2, He humbled Himself and became obedient unto death, even the death on the cross. But He became obedient unto who and unto what? He became obedient unto His Father, to the will of His Father. And so, uh, everything was to bring glory to His Father. And He said He didn't seek His own glory, but the glory of Him that sent Him. I want you, if you would, to open your Bibles and keep your spot there in 1 Peter 4. Turn to the Gospel of John. We're going to read a couple of verses. We're going to skip around, but I want to start in verse 7, verse 18. We're talking about doing everything we do with the overriding, ultimate, only motive of bringing glory to God through Jesus Christ. And we're starting off by saying this was Christ, this was the Lord's motive on this earth. Look at John 7, verse 18. John 7, 18. He that speaketh of himself seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. And that second part, he's speaking of himself. If I'm just speaking of myself all the time, I'm seeking my own glory. Building myself up, puffing myself up. I can do it in the most, quote, humble way in the world. But still, if I'm speaking of myself and it's continually about me, I'm seeking my own glory. And there's, wow, there's such Christian ways to do that, okay? It, it seems to fit in perfectly within Christianity. We talked about it in a sermon on humility not too long ago. And we need to watch that. Christ was bold. He wasn't weak. We said meekness is not weakness. He was very bold, but He's very clear. He wasn't seeking His own glory. He was seeking the glory of Him that sent Him. And the good thing was that Christ in return, the Father was going to glorify Him with the glory that He had before. Before He stepped out of heaven and took on this frail human flesh and the cross and the weakness, what looks like the weakness of the cross and so forth. Went to, in the, raised in the power of the resurrection and seated at the right hand of the Father in power as the only potentate who's coming back to reign and rule forever and ever, Jesus humbled Himself and then returned back into this former glory. Uh, and so, let's, let's look at another couple of Scriptures. Turn to John chapter 14, verse 13. John 14, 13. He's speaking, Jesus is speaking about the sending the Holy Ghost after He would die and rise again. And whatsoever you shall ask in My name, that, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's a very clear Scripture. Look at 1 Peter 4.11. That, that God the Father may be glorified in His Son Jesus. Now He's talking about though in 1 Peter through our lives. God the Father glorified by Christ or through, in Christ Jesus through the life of a believer. But here He says, Whatever you ask in my name, that will I do. And when we say ask in his name, it also has to do with his will. It has to do with his purposes and things that line up with the word of God. If we ask in his name, him to do something that's not God's will at all, then that's not what this scripture is for. 
Okay? But he says that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So again, we're talking about Christ's motive. Alright, a couple more Scriptures. Turn to John 17. Now the Lord's at the Last Supper and He's, he's with His disciples. He's going to be arrested this night and taken and, and crucified the next day. And these words, John 17, 1, these words spake Jesus and lifted up His eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify Thy Son that the Son also may glorify Thee. Verse 4, I have glorified Thee on the earth. This is Jesus speaking to His Father. I have glorified Thee on the earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest Me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou Me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had, past tense, with Thee before the world was. It's amazing. It's really interesting to just follow these, these kind of lines of thought through the, through the Gospels and through the Word of God. But we learn from the Lord that the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit would come, and we, and we just touched on it briefly in John 14, when He says, when I go, I'm going to send the, the, whole, you know, the Holy Spirit who the Father will send in My name. He's going to be the Comforter. He won't speak of Himself. Now think about it. The Holy Ghost is not going to speak of Himself. He's going to take of Mine and show it to you, and He shall glorify Me. So Jesus says when the Holy Ghost comes, and that's past tense, He has come, okay, He will glorify Me. And we see this almost like the ministry, one of the main ministries of the Holy Spirit on the earth is to glorify Jesus Christ. And Christ's ministry on the earth was to glorify the Father. And so we get a good picture, I guess you would say, of Jesus' ministry by looking at the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Now what does it mean? And you can turn back to 1 Peter. But what does it mean to glorify God? Or what is glory? And what, how can God be glorified? That's a good question, isn't it? Is He glorified through my singing? Is He glorified through my preaching? Is He glorified um, by lofty words? How is God Almighty glorified? Okay? And how, how could, can He be glorified? First of all, glory is the manifestation of the Lord. It's the manifestation of things that would be hidden to man otherwise. Does that make sense? If God dwells in this uh, thick darkness, or He dwells in this light, the Bible says, that no man can approach. And here's God in His holiness. He would just stay hidden from men if He weren't somehow manifest among men. He would just be this God afar off that we would know nothing or little or nothing about at all. But when He begins to manifest Himself, then that brings Him glory. It takes like the hidden attributes of God and it makes reveals them in a more plain way. The angels can reveal the glory of God. They see the glory of God and they're able to sing of it and maybe reveal it. Uh, the best and the clearest, most perfect revelation of God ever and ever will be is Jesus Christ. In other words, there were little bits and pieces through the prophets and through the prophecies that were given. And we would see His acts and we would see miracles and works that He did. And there would be little glimpses of His glory. And even creation declares the, uh, the glory of God and the handiwork of God to an extent. Right? Much can be known in observing nature. The majesty, you know, and so forth. And the wisdom looking at creation. But it's still not a perfect revelation, creation. Otherwise, people would just worship creation. And so, Jesus Christ, when He came, is that perfect 
revelation. In Him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. You just can't say it any more clearly like than that. In Jesus Christ, for the first time ever on earth, okay, dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead. Godhead is like the whole deity. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit bodily. In one human being, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. There's not a greater revelation. And He perfectly obeyed the Father. And He sent all the glory back to the Father. And it's an amazing thing. I want to look at a couple more Scriptures just real quickly. Turn to Hebrews chapter 1. This is how this epistle opens. Hebrews 1. Look at verse 3. This is speaking about God speaking to us in these last days by His Son. Verse 3. Speaking of Christ. Hebrews 1.3 Who being the brightness of His glory and the express image of His person and upholding all things. That means the exact representation of His person. Okay, That's what it means. You could look at the life of Maybe Isaiah, or look at the life of you. Start naming the very godly men in the Old Testament, and David, and just different people that knew the Lord and walked with the Lord. Need people in the New Testament, Paul, and 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 you could see the Lord in them, so to speak. And we could say that to one another. I really see the Lord in your life. Maybe in some kindness that came out that was supernatural. It was the Lord. You just know it was God. But nobody perfectly embodied Almighty God like Jesus Christ on the earth. It says, uh, upholding all things by the word of His power, when He had by Himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the Majesty on high. That would preach a whole sermon just right there, but it's really exciting. Okay, Christ lived for the Lord's glory and the Lord was most fully, God Almighty was most fully glorified and represented and manifest to men through Jesus Christ. Okay? This is most most perfectly. And then one more scripture on this and we'll move on. Second Corinthians 4 6 For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the the revelation of God basically to me is saying God commanded that this revelation of Himself would come through His Son Jesus, through the face of His Son Jesus Christ. And I just wanted to touch on that. And so, um, Jesus has declared Him, right? Nobody knows the Father but the Son, nor the Son but the Father, and to whomsoever He will uh, make Him known unto or manifest Him to. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, dwelt in the bosom in eternity past of the Father. And He came to this earth, born in a manger, grew up as a human being with the weakness and frailties of flesh, but sinless, not a child of Adam, child of God. And He, he perfectly displayed, he's, He came from the bosom of the Father. Just bring this perfect revelation of God to the earth. What do we see? We see His mercy. We see His holiness. We see His... Uh, his love, we see His grace, we see His wisdom, we see it all embodied perfectly in Jesus Christ. And He lived for the glory of, of God. And because Jesus did come and, and bring that full expression of the Father to the earth and glorified, He says, Father, I've glorified You on the earth. It means I've manifest Your hidden attributes perfectly 
to the world. And he did, perfectly. He, everything, he said, everything you gave me to do, I finished. I finished. And it'd be, wouldn't that be a wonderful way to come to the end of our lives and say, God, everything you gave me to do, I finished it. We don't want to say, wait, 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 I've got some unfinished business. I want to have all those loose ends tied up. You know, whenever that is, if I die tomorrow or whenever, that I've been faithful to do everything you call me to do up to this point. Not a bunch of things hanging over my head. Don't you hate, hate having unfinished business hanging over your head? I do. I like to get it done. I'm not saying I always do, but I like to get it done. And so because Jesus came and glorified His Father the way He did, we're, we are able to know Him and worship the Lord and really know what God is like. Amen? He's not, just, he's not still hidden. And he, He's been manifest and glorified. Now, this was also, speaking about our master motive, right? Our master motive is for that God in all things may be glorified in His Son, Jesus Christ. This was also the motive of the apostles, of Peter the Apostle and all of the apostles. They did not do what they did for human praise. If, if they had done what they had done for human praise, they were in the wrong business, Okay. They did not do what they did for the praise of men. They did not do what they did for power. We need to watch this because this can happen in churches, can it? This can happen among Christian men and in Christian women in circles that people do what they do, quote, for the glory of God, but actually it's for some type of position. I want a position among men. I want a name of prominence among men, among this group of pastors, among this church, among whatever it may be. Uh, and if God wants to do that, then God will do that. But if that's in our hearts, as no matter how we might hide it, the Lord knows if it's there. It's not the motive. That's not our master motive for serving God or doing the things we do. It was not the motive of the apostles. They didn't do what they did for power or position or prominence. They didn't, they didn't even do it for the souls of men only. And you think, well, wouldn't that be a good motive to see lost souls saved? It is a good motive, but it's not the best motive. Okay? We have to remember that too. As far as we know, Noah didn't see anybody saved. We know nobody else got on the ark. Amen? But, but him and his family. We read the same about Jeremiah. We read the same about uh, others that, that ministered faithfully to God. And yet, there wasn't a big following. There wasn't a big a lot of fruit as far as souls of men that was reaped. But you can't say they were a failure at all because they did what God called them to do. Okay, And so, um, that's, that's, again, that's not a bad motive. It's not the best motive. And a lot of these just apostles, almost all of them, did what they did all the way to the death. Right, Specifically, not just dying of old age, but they... Their motive was for the glory of the Father and glory of God all the way till be, to being martyred. So it certainly wasn't the praise of men or you know wealth in this life or something like this. They yearned for men to see the glory of God. Now think about that. And if God's glory can be manifest through your life, in your workplace or whatever it is, and we'll talk about that more a little bit later, but they yearned for God, men to see the glory of God. Because remember, Jesus said, if I'm lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. So they yearned, whether that was uh, humbling themselves before men, being the servant of all men. You know, Peter feeding God's lambs. Jesus said, if you love me, feed my sheep, my lambs. However it was, 
that God could be glorified through their practical holiness, through their faith, through their walk with God. They yearn for men to see the glory of God. Okay? And in the end, that men through seeing God's glory would be drawn to Him and come to know the Lord and walk with Him. Now we're going to bring it to us. Okay? It's Christ's motive. It was the Apostles' motive. And it is to be our motive. And I'll say this, if, if our motive in this life as believers, now lost man has no clue what we're talking about, but ever saved man, we do have a clue. The Holy Ghost makes this truth known to us. But if that is our motive for the glory of God to do what we do, we will never be disappointed. I know that sounds simple, but it's one thing in life that will never disappoint. Because a lot of things do. And a lot of times, if we're, if we're serving God for any, well, what I would call a lower motive, even if it's good, okay, I want to see a lot of souls saved. Well, I do too. And the Lord does too. But if you can put one thing at the top of that that <coughs> encompasses everything and overwhelms every other motive and dominates every other motive, it has to be just like Jesus that the Father may be glorified in the Son. The apostles doing it for the glory of God, yearning for men to see the glory of God and for our own lives as well. We'll never if you serve God in any other lower for any other lower motive, you are going to be setting yourself up for major disappointment. Just disappointment, you know, and even depression. You know, it's just you're going to be disappointed because the desire of our hearts uh, we're not gonna. It's not gonna come to fruition. In other words, what we really longed for never happened, or what we longed for did happen and it left us feeling dissatisfied. Right? We did get what we wanted, and it even as a Christian, even in Christian service, I want. What if what if I just said, or any pastor said, I want my church to reach a thousand, thousand people, and just push and push. We do the cell groups. We do everything. We're push, push, push get a thousand people and then we get there and it didn't satisfy at all now i've got a thousand people but it wasn't really for the glory of god yeah i said it was all along because god wants people to be saved and i can keep harping on that but what i did in my heart of hearts wasn't really for god's glory i wanted to build a name for myself or get a church a certain size you understand what i'm saying and maybe a lot of people did get saved, but it won't satisfy me. It won't satisfy my heart because the only thing that really is a pure motive is for the glory of God. That's what Peter's saying in First Peter 4. And so uh, that's a motive that can never mislead you. I'm not going to lead you down a dead-end trail and then drop you and say, I served God all these years for such and such, and now... It left me empty. If you're serving for God's glory all these years and all the years to come, there's always a hope set before us. There's always a hope set before us. You'll never be disappointed. Never, never, never. We say it all the time, but if you and I are serving God for the praise of men or the notice of men or the appreciation of men or the thanks of men or the like or the popularity or the love of men, we're going to be disappointed because men are men. Even the best of men are men. Even if they want to be kind, they're not. They're not going to notice everything you do. They're going to be so consumed with their own lives, they're not going to be heaping all the praise on you and notice every wonderful thing that you do. 
They're certainly not going to see the hours you spend locked up in your prayer closet praying for sinners and backsliders and deceived people and everything else. They're not going to see that. And so we should, I'll say that on the other hand, as believers, we ought to take notice. We ought to see, you know, ought to see what, what Patricia and Jordan uh, add to the body and, and what, what Sherry you know, and Bach and so forth. We ought to, when we can, not offer flattery, but a real heartfelt, you know, I appreciate from my heart the way you serve God. It ministers to my life. Thank you for doing that. That would go a long way, wouldn't it? But that can't be the primary motive, okay? Because those are few and far between, aren't they? Let's not let them be so far between. Let's encourage one another with real encouragement. But uh, if we're if we do have a wrong motive, and I say it, not wrong necessarily in sinful, but wrong in the sense of inferior, wrong in the sense of it's not the highest motive, then let God show you even tonight. And at at the altar time, say, God, I realized that in part I've been serving you or doing what I do in my Christian service, my prayer time, my this, my giving, my whatever, um, for the wrong motive. It wasn't really for the glory of God. As God shows you that, He in His kindness is going to show you that. It's kind of the Lord to show you that. So get it straight, right? And say, Lord, I bring it before You. Forgive me. You don't have to make a big deal about it with a bunch of other people. Just, God, forgive me for that. And I want to seek to have no other motive. I want you to set my heart on fire for the glory of God, for the glory of God only. What was the cry of the Moravians, right? That the lamb that was slain may receive the reward of his suffering. It was all for Jesus. Selling themselves as lifelong slaves, never to return again. May the, the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. And it was for the glory of God. Their hearts were set on fire with that. It wasn't a game to them. They weren't confused about it. They had the right motive. Amen. And I promise other people looking around, we don't talk about those other people. We talk about the two Moravians. Because they had a testimony. You know what I'm saying? And they're the ones that uh, that have a reward, had a reward and have a reward coming for the way they lived on this earth. And so... Uh, ask God to take that inferior motive and make it superior. Make it what it should be. Amen. And I would say that a lot of people need this uh, this in our lives. We need this little truth. This little word of this message. There's a lot of people that I would say in Christianity that they get sort of the social gospel mindset, but mindset that they want to see suffering people relieved. You know, whether it's a poverty or sickness or the ravages of sin have wrecked their lives. And we have compassion. Jesus was moved with compassion as well. But they're, they're dominated by that motive. I want to help hurting men. Hurting men. Well, God wants to help them too. And He knows how to do it. Do what you do for God's glory. Okay? Let that be the motive of our hearts. And so, we need to hear this message. Amen? God's going to help us. I need to hear it. And... I like the way that the author of this book put it. He says that when we, when we serve with the motive of glorifying God, that it's going to bring dignity to all of life. And I, I began to think about that. It reminded me a lot of what Tozer said in the book, The Pursuit of God. In one of those early chapters, he, he talks about um, a similar thought. And he talks about, you know, how we, we, we kind of compartmentalize life. We've got the secular 
in the spiritual. I'm a Christian. I got my church life and my spiritual life. And over here, I got my secular life. It'll be work and, you know, dealing with the children in their school and all this kind of other stuff. And we compartmentalize life. But if I do all for the glory of God, it's going to bring God into all of that, into the school and how I handle my kids' teachers and their schoolwork. It's going to bring God into every aspect. It's going to bring a dignity and a uh, spiritual Christ-likeness into everything I do. And Tozer talked about it even like simple things as mundane as cutting the grass. You know, it's like you can do what you do for the glory of God. You know, like you're mowing the grass and saying, thank you, Lord, for the health to do this and I want to do a good job. Nobody notices. Nobody's going to really care about the grass for eternity. But it is what you have me to do right now, so I want to do it well. I want to do it for the glory of God. You know, Chris is going to be making our little kneeling benches and everything and working on those, building something. We want to do whatever we do for the glory of God, the Bible says. And it does bring uh, the Lord into everything. It takes... Uh, it takes the simple mundane things of life and brings the Lord into, into everything to really do it for God's glory. Now, we, we break things down into great, like little, this is a little thing over here. And this is a great big thing. We've got the big mission trip coming up. But this over here is just the little Foxy's outreach over here. And we compartmentalize big and small, like I said, spiritual and secular. But that's that's really just... Our thoughts. God, we can't forget, we know it from the judgment seat of Christ and the teachings in the Bible, that for the Lord, the motive is what makes the difference. Not the size of the work. Somebody over here has a church of 12 people and they're faithful to do what God called them to be and never in their whole lives did the church get over 30 people. You know what I'm saying? Somebody over here has got a church of 2,500 people or or this is a famous missionary that wrote books and everybody knows about his life. And this is a little missionary that died and he led in his entire lifetime, you know, 35 people to the Lord in India. And we would say little, big. But God doesn't do it like that. Okay? But the Lord is the motive. It's the motive of the heart. It's the intent of the heart. Were you faithful with what you were given? Did you do it for the glory of God? That's all that's going to matter. That's all that's going to matter. Don't put a bunch of extra weight upon your life. Don't you have to achieve to this or to that or the other? Just walk in that simple faith, that childlike faith of the Lord. And so, the most simple thing done for God's glory can be elevated to where, like the widow's might, right? The widow's mite's a good example. That was hardly any money. It didn't make any noise when she threw it in. She slipped in quietly, dropped the two mites in, she slipped out quietly, didn't make a big ruckus or anything. And yet Jesus took notice. He's sitting back at the edge of the, the temple, you know, watching how people give. And he took notice of it. And he's he's like a memorial for this lady almost that she cast in all her living. So to me, not only did she give sacrificially or beyond sacrificially, she also, when she left that day, had to leave trusting God. Because now she's going to need something for tonight and tomorrow and the next day. She cast in all her living there, but God had her back, so to speak. God had her covered. And then you could take the most uh, liberal 
or a huge gift that's notable by a millionaire or whatever, a billionaire given money, and if it's not done for the right motive, it, it counts as zero with the Lord. It's just not, we just have to remember, God's ways of thinking are different than ours. And so it says in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, that God is not unrighteous to forget, forget your labor of love and that you have ministered and do minister unto the saints. I think about that verse and I highlight it and I bring it to my own remembrance because we'll get discouraged along the way sometimes at the lack of praise or thanks for men. Don't. Don't. Okay, Jesus got crucified for doing what He did. You know, as far as the thanks of men. Now I know millions worship the Lord today, but you understand my point. And so God's not unrighteous to forget our labor of love in that we have ministered and do minister to the saints. So I'm going to be bringing this uh, to a close. I don't think it's a very long word tonight, but little things become great when wrought from a great motive of love. Little things become great. And I, f- I forgot who it was. I think it was Duncan Campbell that said, a little thing is a little thing, but faithfulness in little things is a very big thing. And I would use and say, little things a little thing, but a little thing done for the glory of God is a very big thing. That God looks at it as such. That's why the important, that's why I get to spend time at the altar. This is why we have to time, spend time in prayer. You could be working your tail off for the Lord and the motive of your heart not be pure. And even think it is. And so we have to spend that time on the altar to let God check us. Let Him check me. And to where, and now what He showed me. Thank you, Lord, You showed me. And then let Him set your heart on fire. He'll forgive you. And He'll get you right back where you need to be. And then there'll be some real purpose to it. And serving God, as I said, for the right motive is never going to disappoint you. It's never going to disappoint because God sees it all. He sees it all. Uh, a lot of people kind of uh, grumble and complain maybe that, that oh, um, you know, you're, you get to be a pastor. You get to pray all day long and you get to uh, read your Bible and study all day long. Boy, I wish I had that kind of time. i got to go work at this plant or work at this place or that place. And yet, again, if, they would, if we would see that God put me there in that plant or that you know, mechanic shop or that whatever, accounting, whatever it may be, if I would see that God put me here, then I can do that for God's glory. And God doesn't elevate the pastor who prays all day above the the person who fixes, you know, diesel engines all day. He doesn't do that. And neither should we. But we just need to understand God sees the heart of the matter. And we need to be faithful what He's called us to do. And so uh, we need to fill up where we are. We need to fill up that position fully for the glory of God. It's not just secular. It's, it's something He's entrusted to your life. And you're with people. And they're going to see how you handle when the diesel engine breaks and you just fixed it and it's got to go out tomorrow. They're going to see how you handle these things. And God put you there for a reason. For His glory. And to be a witness. Amen. Paul said for me to live is Christ. For me to live is Christ. And so uh, whatever your occupation, set the same high motive. Okay? For the glory of God. 
and there's a scripture we all know. You don't have to turn there, but it's 1 Corinthians 10.31. And he says, what, whether therefore you eat or drink, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And we're about to close. But, you know, there's a reason that the Lord through the Apostle Paul wrote, whether you eat or drink. Why does he say whether you eat or drink, do all whatever you do, do all to the glory of God? Why don't he say whether you preach or teach? Whether you prophesy or speak in tongues, you know, something really spiritual, do all to the glory of God. He says whether you eat or drink, whatsoever you do. Because those are just basic everything everyday things that everybody does. Eating and drinking, you know. Uh, I think there's he said that for a reason. He didn't say whether you prophesy or write an epistle. He said, if you, if you eat or drink, do all to the glory of God. When the angels came, they said, glory to God in the highest, right? And on earth, peace, goodwill to men. And, and we'll close with this thought. No glory can ever truly be, truly be given to God that doesn't come through His Son, Jesus Christ. That is what the Word says. Okay? That we, we're living epistles that says that we should offer up sacrifices of praise acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. So it all has to came from Him and has to go back through Christ. If it's going to glorify God, we don't skirt around Jesus and say, I'm just living for God. I don't know much about Jesus or care much about Jesus, but I just want to do for the glory of God. No, it's got to be something wrought of the Lord in our lives by the work of the Holy Spirit in His name that's honoring to the Lord that He commissioned me to do and called me to do and equipped me to do. And it goes back unto Him from a glad heart and a grateful heart and a redeemed heart and a saved life back to the Lord that saved me and it honors Him. God wants it back through His Son, Jesus. He's our intercessor. He's our advocate. He's our mediator. We don't come some other way. And no glory is really going to be given to the Father but through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, uh, we're glor- Peter said, glorified that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ. And I'll close just with this thought for this, um, that our hearts would be, as I said, set on fire with, with that motive. I know that this is nothing you've never heard before, but it is something God would have us to think on and to examine ourselves about that our hearts would be set on fire for the glory of God. And, and we do this in the tiniest acts of self-sacrifice and hardship and all that, um, it's just not going to matter. It's all for God's glory. You're not going to look at it as a sacrifice. You're not going to look at it as, poor me, I had to endure this for God. You're going to look at it as, I'm thankful I get to do this for the glory of God. Thank You, Lord, that You've chosen me. Thank You that you call me to be uh, behind the scenes and be an intercessor. You know what I mean? God sees it. I promise you He sees it. Thank You that You've called me. I don't like Remember the, the last week, the, the man in Boston who couldn't speak well. He says, I can set two extra dinner plates every Sunday. And I forgot how many I said people were saved. We're saved through His His witness and all He did. You know, He led them to the Lord at lunchtime all through His life. And so, that's not something that anybody would have probably noticed. But all the men that were saved noticed. You know, and God noticed. And so, I just, uh, I just want to pray that. So, the altar's open, y'all. And we're going to close with that thought that uh, 
that in all things God may be glorified through His Son, Jesus Christ. And so, Father, we come before You.